0: Welcome to Why in the World. I'm Ben. Firstly, if you haven't rated, reviewed, or subscribed to the show yet and you've listened to episodes in the past, please go and get that done for us. It's really helping us climb up the charts. And thank you so much if you have given us a five star rating and a positive review. In the last couple of weeks. I know it's a real difficult time, but I hope we're helping you interject a little bit of adventure into your life. Now, moving on to today's episode, we have the fantastic Damien Hall. Damien is an ultra runner. He holds both the Paddy Buckley summer and winter records, as well as bagging himself back in 2018 a top finish at the UTMB. And they're just a couple of the amazing things that Damien has done throughout his ultra running career. We recorded this episode back in February over in Buxton after a talk that Damien had the night before and just before he went out on a little bimble with a mate. A top guy and a great laugh. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Damien Hall is on Why In The World.
1: How are you, man? I'm all right thanks. Yeah. Uh, I'm just uh, in awe of all your high tech equipment here with all these yeah flashing lights and knobs lots of these and uh, lots of
0: knobs. It's almost like you know what you're doing. I well we'll see won't we? We'll <laughs> see. Uh, we're sitting in uh, we're sitting in Buxton in Damon's hotel room actually. He did a did a talk here last night which is something you seem to be quite in demand for at the moment. Was it like recounting your experiences to an audience if you will?
1: Yeah, uh, I'm still a bit Bemused that people are uh, are interested. If I'm honest, every time someone gets in touch, I'm I'm surprised, and uh, I still find it a bit of a nervy experience, and yeah. and and quite um. I feel a bit self-conscious about kind of saying. Well, I, I I guess I'm not totally sure what people want to hear, but I suppose they want to hear some of my stories. I, I, that's what I imagine. Mm. I, I don't don't totally know. So I guess I, <laughs> I guess I try and tell a few anecdotes and stories of my experiences in in ultra running and running and I suppose maybe what I've learned along the way and hopefully it's not too sort of self-glorifying and Mm -hmm. and self-indulgent hopefully and and try and throw in a few rubbish dad jokes uh, as I go. Do you
0: find that difficult kind of that not being self-indulgent or worrying that you are being self-indulgent because this is something you kind of fell into in later life a little bit. It must be a bit weird, kind of as a, uh, a fully grown guy who's experienced a lot of life before, being up there being like, well, yeah, I've done some things.
1: <laughs> it is a bit like that. I guess also, I mean, my background, my sort of working background was, you know, I have spent sort of 20 years as a, as a journalist and that was mostly mostly sort of magazine journalism, and quite a lot of that was kind of, I suppose, me doing stuff mm. and writing a story about it. So if I'm totally honest, I am, I suppose I am used to being a little bit, what's the word, sort of egocentric or putting mm. myself in the, in the middle of the story, I suppose. I've never really known whether I've been any good at that or whether, whether I've overdone the me part of it or not, but... No one seems to hate me too much. Yeah, you made a so. career out of that, so <laughs> I
0: think you're pretty good at it, mate. What was the transition between? Because I know you did a lot of hiking, you've done a lot of long trails across the world, and loads of different things. What was the transition between like hiking and spending a lot of time outdoors to kind of falling in love with ultra running and long distance running a little bit later on in life?
1: It feels now like a sort of inevitable journey, but. At the time, it didn't really. I, I suppose in my early twenties, I was living in London, working as a football journalist. I was sporty, like I'd play football, mm. and maybe I'd run, maybe like once a week at the most to to stay fit for football. But I wasn't wasn't outdoorsy, you know. I wasn't going hiking, or enjoying hills or lumpy places. But then I went. I got a bit bored at work. A relationship ended. Um, had a tiny bit of savings, so I went. I went travelling, and I, I saw. I was very lucky to see see a lot of the world, and it was and in. Patagonia in South America, and then from there I went to New Zealand, and I just saw all these mountains, and I was just like, "Wow, this is." In a way, I was thinking, "This is how I was brought up." You know, my parents brought me up to be quite outdoorsy. They're hill walkers, and we did a lot of camping. Um, especially in wales and uh, lake district and scotland and so i I did have this kind of um, strange feeling of this is what i should be doing that this stuff is calling at me um so i I started doing a lot of these long distance hikes really loved them really loved the experience of going out for three four five six days most you know being fairly self-sufficient mostly on your own just really loved that and then i did start to hear of these challenges definitely in new zealand i remember learning that there was a I did a a trek called the Kepler track I think it's called and there's a race on that and I do remember someone telling me there was a running race on it and I just thought (laughs) that was insane and it was still quite a few years from there till when I sort of fell into my first ultra marathon and got more into running but it feels now and now like that was a kind of yeah an inevitable journey I think
0: I like sometimes that I hear you say long races in lumpy places. It's a nice <laughs> nice thing. Why long races in lumpy places rather than short races in flat places?
1: <laughs> well, it's at least two things. Firstly, I'm not you know, I've done park run, I think, twice and, and it was horrendous. <laughs> um, very very painful, very difficult style of racing. Uh, I guess I have done some ten K's and, and a ten mile road race and half marathons. And in fact, yeah, doing the bath half was my first official kind of race and it did, I did love it at the time but that style of running I suppose is less enjoyable and I'm less good at it mm. um, so it is about for me yeah being out in lumpy places and I find that the longer distance you know that in a way the more satisfying the journey is the more you know the, the more things happen to you and just I suppose the scenery you know it's much more rewarding there are some long distances on on flat hard surfaces and they don't I'm not saying I never will, but they don't appeal nearly as much. Yeah, it's it's a combination of those yeah. those factors. When
0: did you realise I'm actually pretty good at this?
1: <laughs> I don't know if I, uh, <laughs> I, know I if think I, you, I think you kind of have to realise <laughs> that you're pretty good at it now. Uh, well you're very kind. Um I think even in my first Ultra Marathon which was the the wall, I did the two day version of the wall in twenty twelve. Now I didn't do that well, but I remember on the second day I was in either the top third or the top quarter like I was in my mind I you know I was quite keen to be competitive even though my running till then was you know I'd almost yeah you know, I'd done one marathon that was my longest ever run you know I was woefully underprepared for it physically anyway but I think mentally I wanted you know I really wanted that adventure so, so I had this sense of you know I love this I want to get better at it and, th- and then my next race was 100k and I, w- I was in the top 10 there and then I did a 100 miler and I was in the top three but those, those were both brand new events they weren't very competitive but it makes you kind of because there are so many events I think if you, if you do do a decent amount of training and you've got the right attitude I think a lot of people can do quite well and it, and it gives you the sense of oh well maybe maybe I'm okay at this so I guess you know I would take on a coach perhaps and, and I would train a bit harder and it just was this kind of these incremental steps of, of going on from there I suppose.
0: When this kind of fell into your life then and kind of you began to sort of understand that you had this love for running obviously you're gonna to have to interject a lot of things into your life as well to be able to race in terms of training in terms of preparation in terms of time how did you go about kind of interjecting all of that into
1: your life and has it ever
0: has it ever become a bit of a nuisance
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i did become a parent around the same time as i sort of started to get into running which in some ways is useful in that Before that I'd mostly play football or try and do long distance uh, hikes and they're not as then not was sort of easy to do around family life. So the great thing about running, of course, is, you know, you can go out at any time and, and you can do it from any place. So um, you can wait. I could, you know, on the weekend, I'd wait till my daughter had her mid, midday nap uh, and I'd be allowed allowed out then. Uh, I was mortified when she stopped having her naps um, and I had to sort of start getting up at five or six in the morning to get out. I mean, really, I just found that I was so passionate about it. I loved it so much that that I would happily sacrifice most of the things yeah. to go running including social life you know I remember a little bit of shame now but I remember sort of you know I remember I remember a friend I hadn't seen for about a year and he was coming not to visit me but he was coming to nearby to visit a few of us and there was a chance to catch up with him but at the same time two new friends uh, were going to recce a, a local race it wasn't an ultra just a, a short trail race and I chose to chose to go running with them rather than see my old friend who I hadn't seen for a long time, and I was wracked with guilt about it, to be honest. But really, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted mm. to, <laughs> I wanted to go running more than I wanted to see my friends, uh, which is probably still the case now. Yeah, I mean, I think it <laughs>
0: opens up a new community as well, doesn't it? It opens up a new group of people. So even though maybe there is some experiences and some times where things like that happen, you make so many friends and you meet so many new people in this kind of running community i suppose
1: yeah that's very true and, and you know most of my friends now are are runners and in fact you know some of my friends who weren't runners have become runners Uh, as well which is brilliant so I can sort of catch up with them that way and and yeah a lot of my socialising now is a run with someone. Um, Yeah it's a wonderful community of runners and I I don't think I've met a trail you know a trail runner uh, or even a runner who who I didn't like. Mm. It it does seem to I mean I'm generalising wildly but running does seem to make us all a bit happier and and more accepting and and just better people uh, possibly. You meet a lot of people in races as well don't you?
0: I think people don't realise quite how many people and quite how many stories that you share actually during these these long distance races particularly when you're like me not as competitive as obviously you are but you always tell stories i know you've done the mds as well and i'm sure you must have met a few people out there in the tents and stuff like that that's definitely
1: true and i remember that really um acutely from my first my first ultra marathon actually was that everyone was talking it wasn't like road racing I mean, I mean you do get chatting in road racing and especially the longer races but in the ultra sort of on the trails yeah people it really felt like we were all in a team to mm. be honest and even when i was on the second day when i was sort of trying to be more competitive like oh what well, we were chatting you know it was it was really nice really good community feel and i would say even you know even when i've been at utmb and, and i'm racing trying to race you know these these you know, super racing. elite guys, <laughs> <factor is> <laughs> um, that even if not many words are exchanged, there's a lot of, what is the word, sort of mutual mutual respect mm. or shared experience with people. I mean, someone like, say, um, Scotty Hawker, the, the Kiwi runner, we've experienced bits of UTMB together over several years. We do chat and we've, you know, chatted you know exchanged messages on on social media and stuff as well but but a lot of that time has been running near each other or close to each other and and you don't often don't need to talk like you're just you're sharing something you know
0: what each other is going through don't you i suppose
1: yeah i think often the people near you in the race know much more about what you're going through than anyone else so yeah i I love that about the sport and obviously you you get more vulnerable especially Mm -hmm. if you're doing a big you know 100 mile or something like that or you're in a New mountains or something intimidating—you feel more vulnerable. Uh, we get more emotionally raw when we do these things. You've gone without sleep and and so on. You probably, you know, might have neglected your food or something, and, and or, or anyway, you just go through all these emotions. So yeah, it, it ends up being very, I think, li- life affirming, life affirming experiences. And I, I may, I've made some of my best friends. I mean, I was just in the talk last night. I remembered that kind of from the spine race. I mean, I'm going to a wedding this summer from someone I met at the spine race. Cool. My Son's guide father is someone I met at the spine race. So um, yeah, I mean you meet friends for life at these yeah, sorts of these sorts of challenges.
0: What is it about the three digit number, the hundred miler, that is so special?
1: <laughs> well, people are possibly bored of me uh, r- r- paraphrasing Anne Anne the great American runner. But I do love her quote: "When you run a hundred miles, you you live a lifetime in in one day," which does. Uh, sort of sum it up better than better than I can and I think it is yeah that all those emotions you go through you know you can start off being well anxious or confident or usually a mixture of both. often the first few hours um, hopefully you know you're feeling good and then, and then and then the doubts creep in and the, and the insecurities and the fears and uh, and maybe you're going through the night and, and that adds new elements and, and then there'll be moments shared yeah, shared with other people and with spectators often and volunteers. And that goes on for hours and hours, I suppose. And and yeah, you, you could be sobbing one moment and <laughs> whooping at a mountaintop the next moment. And um, I guess ultimately, yeah, I, I'm, I'm worried I'm slipping into sort of hippie cliches here, but you, you kind of, you're living, you know, you're yeah. feeling alive when you sort of, put yourself out there a bit, I know that's a cliche as well, but but in terms of like putting yourself forward for something you're not sure whether you can do or not sure how well you can do it, um, you're, you're showing your vulnerability. People seem to kind of, I don't know, respond to that and join in on that.
0: Do you feel yourself chasing that feeling now? Chasing that feeling of uh-huh. kind of, oh, I need to
1: keep going? I think you can possibly already tell from some of the things I've said that I, I do feel there's an addictive element uh, for me, anyway, from, from running and and from running the longer distances in, in in lumpy places, you know, I'm lucky I haven't been injured for for a few years now. But but that's yeah, that sort of terrifies me. <laughs> yeah, touch wood, thank you. Um, and yeah, I'm probably not the only person, only runner or only ultra runner with a you know obsessive or, or addictive element mm. to their personality. But I need that that hit a few times a year, I suppose. I mean, I've I've definitely learned to love. The you know the process or, or training, yeah, pretty much as much if not more than than racing now over the last few years. I think I used to you know when I started off you you pack your year with pretty much a race a month and um soon you realise that's not really sustainable or, or not gonna not gonna bring you your best results. Also um, a bit of a
0: hit on the bank balance if you just keep entering these races. <laughs> that is true.
1: Yes, and also hit on the yeah hit on the the marriage and the yeah. the family uh, as well. Um, but I've learned to yeah just enjoy going running but but yeah I, I, I like to run almost every day and and would struggle if I couldn't I think mm. um there's a sort of you know some dark little messages at the back of my mind wondering wondering if I'm in too far but um you know hopefully I don't get to find out hopefully, no, hopefully I can just not. keep not. running hopefully not just <laughs>
0: keep going just keep going you've done some amazing races you've been some amazing places is there any races that stick out to you obviously UTMB which we'll talk about because you've been there three million times by this point <laughs> are there any special races for you that you you really really do hold dear to your heart
1: i feel like i got yeah sort of really obsessed with the spine race mm. quite early on just because of the uh, the insanity of it i'd hiked the pennine way already and and really loved it it felt so sort of you know so so british to me or or, yeah. or maybe english i don't know um all this kind of peat peaty moorland and 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 these little villages along the way. And yeah, I, I really got into the spine race. And the, and then my obsession moved on to probably being UTMB. And I think it was just the bigness of everything at UTMB. You know, the crowds, the competitive field, the, the course itself, the mountains. And then and then after that, I think the last year or so, I've become quite obsessed with the, the Paddy Buckley round in, in North Wales and Snowdonia. In terms of picking out... And so I think often it's something, you know, it's something quite individual. Certainly with the, with the Paddy Buckley and the spine race, I can see how there's individual appeal to me, individual elements, um, something quite personal. Probably one race that I've loved even more than UTMB was UTMR mm. uh, last year, Ultra, Ultra Trail, or was it Ultra Tour? Ultra Tour Monte Rosa, I'm pretty sure it is, which is, yet yeah, in the same mountains, or at least the Swiss Swiss and Italian Alps, more, more vert, you know, more rugged scenery, more technical terrain, more beautiful, unfortunately. So I was very lucky I went out and wrecked the race and then but when it came to actually running it the race had uh, got stopped nearly halfway around because uh, some really bad weather was coming in so there's some unfinished business with that one but but it's just yeah just beautiful rugged it's kind of like like maybe how UTMB was at the beginning in that there's you know so fewer runners so fewer crowds it feels you know you get more of a authentic mountain experience I suppose without too many uh cowbells ringing in your ears uh incessantly why are you going back to UTMB <laughs> why I I'm, yeah'm I'm, I'm sort of asking myself that on and off I think yeah I did miss it when it was on so I did four years in a row and each year I sort of improved slightly came came away with a overwhelmingly good good feeling but but a bit of frustration of something I could improve on in my training or in the race itself you know quite clearly that that would that would help me improve and then and then in 2018 I placed finally placed kind of fifth. And that felt like the end of a chapter that felt like i'd achieved you know achieved all i could possibly achieve there realistically so i had a year off yeah did did utmr instead but yeah i missed it when it was on i must admit i'm this part of me you know i'm 44 now this part of me knowing there aren't too many years left when i can be sort of semi-competitive there so I guess I just felt, oh, one more bash, one more mm. bash. And there
0: is a film about um, UTMB in 2018, isn't there, called The Underdog, which is up on Amazon Prime,
1: I believe? Yes, I'm pretty sure it is. It, um, if not, it's on Vimeo. My good friends Matt and Ellie Green from Summit Fever Media um, took a bit of a risk. They, they sort of self-financed it mostly, um, decided to film my uh, my journey in, in 2018 and, and my sort of obsession with the race. I think it helped me, actually, in that... Um, it added some pressure, but, but I like, say, pressure. <laughs> it was the first time before a race that I felt some, hmm. felt some pressure. I've always considered myself a sort of, you know, bumbling amateur before that. And then I was like, well, I've got a film crew now, you know, I've got a sponsor helping me. Like, I, I suppose I can't really pretend. Yeah. I'm a... So it did add some pressure, but they were people I know really well. And I'm used to them filming me from the spine race, actually, at, um, and a few other projects, so i I would look forward to seeing them I, I think or oh, maybe I'll see them on the next climb and you see a friendly face and i I, I don't really notice they've got a camera mm. because I'm used to seeing them with a the camera in that sort of point, I'm imagining you probably don't care either You're like, <laughs> <"S-> come on <laughs> I was yeah definitely pretty pretty tired, pretty wasted towards the end um, but yeah, I think it did help me, it kept me focused because I was like they've you know especially the fact that they were sort of they'd mostly financed it themselves was like my friends have invested in me Mm. like my friends have put in a lot of effort I saw you know behind the scenes how much time and effort they're putting in not just money and you're like my friends have yeah they've kind of gambled on me they think I'm worth covering I've got to make you know I've got to make an effort for them you know and that that did actually really work so I mean I don't expect them to be there again next year uh, this year rather so we'll see if I you know see if I can (laughs) still put in an honest effort without a film crew uh We'll see.
0: The word underdog is just a very interesting word just as a whole.
1: Do do you feel like that? Do you feel like you're an underdog in these races? I do, yeah. I mean, quite a few people have pointed out I I can't really claim that anymore. No, you
0: can't. (laughs) (laughs) You
1: can't. (laughs) I mean, I I do overplay the kind of, right, I'm in my mid-40s, I've got two children, I'm not a full-time athlete, I don't live near mountains, I do rattle that off. But I think that helps my mindset, like... If I'm on the start line of one of these big races, if I start to think I should win this, I'm one of the favourites. That doesn't suit my mindset. Mm. I mean, maybe I, I mean, to be honest, I, I do plan to speak to a sports psychologist this year just to see is there anything I'm missing? Is there something I can improve on? I'm, I'm intrigued by that side of the sport a lot. The mental, mental side of it is huge. But for now, I feel happier. You know that relaxes me. That puts me in a relaxed mindset of of oh let's just see how we can get on here. You know, mm. but it might be that I'm under underperforming because I'm not being ambitious enough. But I don't I don't know. I'm not a hugely. I don't think I'm a hugely sort of ambitious person. I don't know. It's uh. I suppose it's something to unravel a bit maybe at some point. You want to do know. well though, right? Yes. No. I think at the moment, like getting in the top ten again would be would be immense because every year is different. I'd be really chuffed with that. I don't obsess overdoing better than fifth because I mean really uh, you know a few things really aligned for me in 2018 such as the weather really suited me and there were lots of nice handy dnfs uh, I mean usually there are a lot of DNFs yeah. but um, one of them involved you know a bumblebee sting and things like that that th- sort of things that might not happen again but yeah I've got to how be much careful. do you pay the bumblebee <laughs> quite a lot, quite a lot. <laughs> um played a, yeah found a bumblebee trainer I um, but you're right I, I, I've got to be careful not to downplay what I might be able to do too much yeah, I mean, that's a fascinating part of the sport is the whole mental side of, of um, yeah, how well we c- can we do? How focused can we stay? And that's something, yeah, focus is something I could definitely yeah. work on. I, I Even when I've done these two Paddy Buckley runs in the last year, I, I've lost focus at, at times during those runs and just sort of thought, oh, I'm enjoying this. This is great. And, but in a way, just enjoying and relaxing it, that might be a, a strength. It's difficult to know. Yeah, I'm a big know.
0: fan of how honest you are, though one thing I really, really loved was a recent post you put on your Instagram actually about the Paddy Buckley and about the uh, chocolate bar or protein bar or whatever it was <laughs> that you left on top of a, a wall because you were self-supported on the Paddy Buckley <laughs> winter record attempt and subsequent FKT. Why the Paddy Buckley to start with? And uh, why the love for Snowdonia? And then we'll get on to the chocolate bar in a minute. <laughs>
1: Uh, and then white chocolate, yeah, um, <laughs> that's easier to answer. I've always had a, a great affinity with Wales. So I, I grew up mostly in the Cotswolds from from around the age of ten, anyway. And I was almost born in Wales. I was born in uh, Lydney, Um oh. just over just over the river there. But we did move away before I was one, so I, d- I have no memories of it, if I'm honest. But I've always thought I'm from the Forest of Dean, even though that's strictly speaking, you know, English. But it's it's right by the border. Oh, they um, should, have, should have taken you
0: over the border. <laughs> they
1: should have. But I've always grown up. Yeah, and when, when we'd walk in, the, as a family, walk in the Cotswolds, so often from the Cotswold Escarpment, you've got this long view over the, the Vale of Gloucester and, the, and the vale, these various vales um, over to the Brecon Beacons and the yeah. Black Mountains and Wales. And it always looked really dramatic and, and sometimes quite sinister, actually, with it, there's, you know, clouds and weather happening over there. And yeah, as I say, we holidayed quite in Wales quite a lot. And then, yeah, as I, as I realised to train for UTMB, I uh, realised I needed to go to somewhere more mountainous regularly and and the Brecon Beacons was the obvious place. So first of all, I I fell in love with the, the, the Beacons. Really got to know them well. Uh, I've done the South Wales Traverse, although in a very, very slow time, which is a challenge right across the uh, beacons. And then over time, probably only in the last two years, really, that's sort of started to become an interest in Snowdonia, I suppose, because they're even bigger mountains or it's a little further away. And I should credit my, my good friend, Dan Doherty. He um, he was the first to kind of, um, well, though I've been up there as a hiker yeah. um, several times, but and, and I've done one or two races actually up there, but, but he was the first to kind of, take me up there for a training run he he was actually uh attempting a paddy buckley and i went i went and supported him and that was my first taste of taste of it this is still less than two years ago and then me and my good friend charlie sprosan we went to we'd done the other two big rounds as a sort of pair and we went to do the paddy in um almost exactly a year ago it was, it was i think late march uh, 2019 and it was the the first round that kind of um we tripped up on in that we could do the other two pretty much on site under 24 hours and this one we couldn't um the weather came in a bit and yeah there was a there was a head torch mishap um (laughs) let's just say my fault um but we yeah we 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 you know we we finished in nearly 27 hours i think you know feeling quite grumpy and feeling like hold on there's something about this welsh round it's tougher you know we we could just rock up to the other two in a way and and get get them done. done i mean there was still some discomfort involved in those two but the welsh one was like oh this is trickier I actually did a story for Runners World where I I, um, interviewed a lot of Sort of fell running legends like Paddy Buckley himself, Martin Stone, Jim Mann, Jasmine Paris, Nikki Spinks, mm. Wendy Dodds. I asked them all about the Paddy Buckley round. That's a list of legends. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I was, I, was, I was very grateful that so many of them were, you know, happy to talk and often at short notice and and give me anecdotes and and but their passion for the Paddy Buckley really came through. And my idea was that it was the kind of a, ugly duckling of the three that people didn't seem to care as much about it and people seemed to do it third. Um, and actually that wasn't true at all. And, and most of those people were really passionate about it. And um, especially Nikki Spinks as well, you know, has very personal sort of emotions with the Paddy. And several of them said it was the toughest of the three and 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 stipulated why they loved it. And, and, and also why it was so kind of quirky and different to the other rounds. And and that quirkiness, and I suppose, it being a bit different and it defeating us just made me more and more interested in it. And then it just so happened... Nikki Spinks was doing her double on it that year, and I was, I was going to go and support her. And then John Kelly, who's, who's become a friend, um, the American runner who lives in Somerset, he was attempting, attempting his three rounds challenge, so he was doing it, and I thought I'd help him on that. And around that time, I realised I'd been there a lot, you know, I'd been there a lot in in less than a year, and I I, I actually knew it quite well, and, and I always thought, well, I'm not a, I'm not a fell runner, right? You know, I'm from the Cotswolds, I can't really... You know, UTMB, yeah, you'd say I can go up and down mountains, okay, but that... UTMB is is quite well-groomed trails, really. Paddy Buckley, you know, there's Welsh mountains. It's... sometimes it's just yeah. rock or just bog or bog and rock you know no path huge climb rock and swimming yes <laughs> and there's a there's one particular spell where it's um i've only once been through there without sinking waist deep or at least growing deep up to you know into bogs uh there's two there's two particular spots you just can't avoid them um you're just going to go in yeah um which happened again on my winter my winter round just as i was thinking um hey, these bogs don't seem too whoop. Here we hey. go. And I just, yeah, it really got under my skin. And, and I think it was sort of late spring, early summer. I thought, well, maybe, maybe I could maybe I could have a go at the record. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's possible. I, so I did it kind of a, as an experiment almost, or almost not thinking it would work out the first time, just to see how close I would get. All the challenges, challenges that have worked out best for me, challenges and races, are, are the ones that really get under your skin and you really start, you really feel passionate about and you really obsess over. And I know that kind of sounds a bit obvious because you know when you sign up for a big race then hopefully you obviously you're thinking about it a lot but but i think we all sign up for races as well that, that maybe are to get points or because a friend is doing it or because it's local and sometimes yeah it's often those races that we don't care as much about that, that often don't go as well or, or mm-hmm. we 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 you know maybe we quit on on them because we don't we just don't care as much so yeah if you really get into something that those obsessive elements come out and and usually yeah you can have a more successful time um overall i think
0: Getting the summer record, obviously, a massive thing. You got that by eleven minutes, right? Yeah, which is quite a lot, actually, when you think about it. It's quite a lot. <laughs> didn't, for a... didn't
1: feel like it. No, I can
0: imagine. <laughs> I can imagine it didn't feel like it. Why did you decide? Right, summer's there. Fancy, uh, fancy. I'm gonna bash at this winter one as well.
1: Yeah, I just, I, I loved the the summer experience. One of the, one of the best days of running I, I ever had, and um, I, I think just yeah, a great day all round. Um, and then when it came towards the winter i mean part of me is is trying to look for winter challenges so that i don't do the spine race again because my fear (laughs) is that i will uh, if there's nothing on in winter i'll just sign up for the spine race for a third time um which i I fear may happen at some point but i thought you know what can i I do do instead um no i just i I just loved it and i thought well while it's fresh in mind while it's fresh in my legs um oh look there's a you know there's a winter record as well now the winter record is it is a bit different because you know, a winter's day in Britain could be all sorts of things, can't it? So Jim Mann, who who held the record, um, really good friend. We're going to room together at UTMB. You know, he said when he did his winter thing, he was up to waist deep snow at some points. So mine wasn't that there wasn't that much snow. So it's difficult to know, you know, in a way which was mm. the, the stronger run. But there's no real way to sort of. I was going to say police that, but police that sounds a bit um, a bit strong, but but there's no really good way to monitor that. You're never going to get um, the
0: same day, same conditions exactly. No,
1: difficult. but yeah, I mean, Jim Jim did his run as part of a hat trick of winter rounds. I think he did all three in winter, inside one month, wow. um, I think in 2017. So yeah, t- total legend. And uh, he was one of the first to congratulate me. And yeah, I still can't really believe, I've, you know, I've stolen a, a record of, of Jim Mann. Um, but both these records, I don't really expect to have them all that long. Yeah, I expect some, some proper a fell runner to come along and take them but it's nice to it's nice to have them and if we continue with this terrible weather at the moment so we've only people have only got till the end of february it's february the 12th now by the end of february you can't do a winter round this year so if, if we these keep up these continues, yes. it'll be wonderful just that's for the next few weeks <laughs> that's what i'm hoping yeah just roughly two more weeks and then at least i'll have it you know till the end of winter until next winter tell me the
0: story about the chocolate bar then
1: i mean with with these fell running rounds you're perfectly entitled to sort of gather a team around you you know people who might meet you at road crossings and give you food or or, or dry socks or or people who run with you and do the navigation and uh, help you with carrying your kit but um, I don't know it it, that seemed to me I suppose a little bit unnecessary for me and not something I've done before really and a bit of hassle to try and arrange all that so I just kind of thought well why not make it still make it a tough adventure go solo and unsupported and I did have one or two friends who I told who wanted to come and help uh, and I, I wasn't sure and and you know, I decided, you know, I did decide to try solo. But if, yeah, if you're solo and unsupported, you can't, you know, pick up any supplies on route, whether they're sort of handed to you or in, or in a cafe or or even stashed. Actually, on my win, on my summer round, I did do food stashes three times. So I had supplies ahead of me. And I did have one runner at one, one leg, so I was supported. Mm. So I decided I was, yeah, strictly strictly solo and unsupported. But about two-thirds of the way in, I was running down from Knicked towards Nantmore, and there was a gate and a wall, and just by the, um, the, the gate latch on the wall, just so it was really clear that you would spot it, was a Tunnock's bar um, <laughs> facing me with the word Tunnock's just staring right at me. And I didn't want to be so self-centred that I thought that was for me, but there was a tiny thing in my head thinking... Is has someone put that there for me? But I and, and I don't know whether my hand sort of started reaching for it or not. But but it, it, if it did, it, it drew back and said no, no. I did I did quite want it, um, but I thought no, that's not that's not right. So I carried on down the hill and, and at the next gate there was a guy there called called Nick. Thank you, Nick. And we had a quick chat and he said, oh, did you get the tunnocks? And I said, oh, it was it was you know it was you it was for me. Thank you so much, but I, you know I couldn't. I couldn't take it. I'm unsupported. He said, "Fair enough. I, I thought you might not, but, but you know, just in case." And I thanked him, and he said he'd go back and get it. So there was hopefully no no littering there. That is serious um, temptation. <laughs> it was one of my one of my hardest moments. <laughs> um Yeah, but it was very just so sweet of him. I, I He does live locally, but it was very yeah very very kind of him to do that. And it did, it did get but the whole thing gave me a huge lift actually. Yeah, for an just- hour or so, I thought, "Oh, that's so cool! So kind of him." To have done that, and he, you know, he'd taken the time and, and come out and human kindness, man. Human yeah. kindness, one of those yeah. things, isn't it?
0: Looking forward to the future, then. Obviously, UTMB uh, this year, and I know you're going out to Japan as well. You mentioned, are there any? certain things or any races specifically that you would like to do in the future anything you've kind of got your eye on
1: oh yes i mean usually whenever i'm asked something like this i i mention tour de gion and then i cowardly put it off one more year i guess it's a very similar concept to the spine race but but in the uh, in the italian mountains so, yeah, that that does fascinate me. I, I suppose there's part of me uh, wanting to have a couple of years of really good, I suppose, 100-mile racing um, before I before I sort of switch maybe a little bit to the slightly longer stuff. But really, there's no... Yeah, I, I think in the next two or three years, I'll definitely be on the start line there if, they, if they'll have me. Um, yeah, that one excites me, excites me a lot. But, yeah, 100-milers, I mean, I'd love to do hard rock in America, but it's just so difficult to get into. Um, Western States, too, yeah. Um, is intriguing in that it's one of the you know the big classic hundreds, mm. but you know I know really it's going to be quite hot there, which which will be hard for me, and you know it's a fast running race, and really I, I'm sort of more of a you know glorified hiker really, um, so lumpy races do suit me better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those two big American ones, if I had a chance. But yeah, there are lots of there are lots of exciting races and lots of hundreds. You know some British races as well. I'm trying to sort of travel a bit less lower my carbon carbon footprint so you know I, if i'm honest things like the arc of attrition um appeals i could see myself doing that in the next few years the uts races i'm going to use ultra trail snowdonia i'm going to do the 50 this year as kind of a b race but they do 100 as well they, those those appeal yeah i mean there's so many great races at the you moment you've got enough races there probably to the yes. last you the next few years <laughs>
0: i wanted to ask you about your family and your kids and when they're older, is is running something
1: you'd like them to do? I mean, it's given me so much that that, of course, you feel compelled. you know, I'm guessing you're a bit of a sort of running evangelist a bit a bit like me and you can't help telling everyone how great running is and it's probably quite annoying um (laughs) but I must admit my wife has slowly she she slowly started doing you know a few half marathons and, and trail races and I do take both my kids to I'm really lucky Corsham running club in Wiltshire where I live they do a an amazing thing called the one mile club on a Wednesday evening and I do take both my kids um it's all you know it's totally run by volunteers and I'm so grateful to them and they put on really interesting sessions each Mm. each time and and I take both my kids now and um you know sometimes there's there's occasionally some tears and some reluctance and some definitely some bribes um which is usually yeah usually chocolate yeah, um you know come to a running club and you'll get some chocolate later but they they do keep going and my my daughter's done um well over 70 it's over 75 miles oh wow now not not in one go but but you know over a period of several several years um Such a
0: little savage just running yes. 75 miles yeah
1: i don't know how healthy that would be in one go but um well i know how unhealthy it is actually <laughs> <laughs> but then kids run around anyway and, and i definitely as a kid didn't consider myself a runner but I was running around Um, I think really more than running it's appreciating the outdoors I suppose and enjoying the outdoors And, and definitely most weekends there's a battle a similar battle of I can't use the word walk or even adventure. And I think they can see through the word picnic now as well. But we try and we try and encourage them outdoors. Uh, I mean, sometimes we just go, you know, we're going outdoors today if it's a nice day. Um, But just, yeah, exploring local woods and and little hills nearby and and getting that appreciation of of the outdoors, um, which I think is, yeah, almost the biggest thing I can pass on to them, I think, is to... Firstly, that these places need protecting, I suppose, but also just how how much they give us mm. as, as humans, you know, how, how we'd be really stuck without without green places and, and those experiences and, and you know, our whole ecological system that is in, in a crisis at the moment.
0: We'll finish up with this because I'm sure there's people out there that maybe are listening to this and thinking, one an amazing story, what an amazing journey. I'm thinking about going outside. I'm thinking about maybe starting up running. I'm thinking about, you know, doing a race or entering my first... 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon, ultra, what would be the one bit of advice that you would give to somebody that may be thinking like that?
1: Oh well, I mean, firstly, I'd say f- for me, it's been uh, it's been life changing, really. It's sort of become my job and my work. I, you know, I coach people. It's become and do talks and, and the things. It's become you know from that first half marathon, it, yeah, it's li- a life changing moment. Uh, I'm yeah happier than ever, healthier than ever, and 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 that's not that unusual. I, I mean, lots of people who've been through a similar thing. Um, so this really simple act uh, of running, which is um, really central to us being humans, you know, if anyone who's read Born to Run we'll see that it's really... The act of running has really shaped mm. us as humans and, and helped us evolve that persistence hunting and, and, and so on. It's such a natural thing to do. So I would firstly say there are so many rewards out there and, and, and the thing I didn't foresee actually was the whole mental side of it and the the meditative, the th- therapeutic elements of it and, and uh, you know, how much happier I am as a person. So I would say there's the huge, huge rewards to be gained. I suppose, yeah, the, the classic thing is is build, build up gradually... Um, It is quite, if your body isn't used to running, you physically your body doesn't catch up your cardiovascular system as in your sort of lungs and heart that 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 um progresses quite quickly but your your sort of external stuff your legs is a little bit slower so so it's it's fairly common for people especially if you sign up for a half marathon or or, or something when they get into training if you just jump up a bit too too quickly too soon people do get you know occasional sort of tendon issues or, or muscle issues but usually these are just minor minor setbacks and i would say run run easy don't be afraid to uh, most of my running is really slow, really easy. I just enjoy it. Don't be afraid to, you know, take hiking breaks. It's totally fine. And in ultra running, I mean, we hike half the races. You know, people. I say I run a hundred miles. I probably run, you know, thirty of them to be honest. <laughs> um, so you know, it's perfectly fine to run, hike, run, hike, and try and run in, try and run in beautiful places if you can. Pick a pick a footpath. Uh, rather than the, the high street. It's gonna be you know healthier air quality for starters, but you're gonna enjoy that more. I'm certain of it, even if the path is a bit more uneven, but that will bring you strength benefits. So um, yeah, hopefully there's something in there. And don't think anything's not possible for you because yeah, some of these distances seemed insane uh, to me and impossible. But once you change your mind to think, well, oh, maybe then, then they are, but you don't have to run crazy distances. No. Um, it's a lifestyle health choice, really.
0: Again, massive thank you to Damien for coming on the podcast. Just a genuinely really nice guy, and fingers crossed he gets another roll of the dice out in UTMB. Hopefully, that race goes ahead. Just a reminder, if you haven't caught up on any of the episodes up to this point... This is episode 43, 42 episodes before this. If you are in lockdown and you're struggling for something to do, something to listen to, then why not head back and listen to some of our previous episodes? On that, I hope you and the family are staying safe. Uh, please do go and follow our Instagram account as well. We are at Why in the World Pods where we're going to be doing some Instagram lives. In fact, we did one for the first time on Saturday with Scott Jenkins, who's been on the podcast before. So pop that a follow at Why in the World Pods and we will follow you back. Again, thank you for listening, thank you for the support, and we'll catch you again in another couple of weeks with a brand new episode.